Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Soul Cafe. We would like to thank our sponsor, Bracha from Mansi. May Hashem give you so much bracha in all your endeavors, in your business, in your home and personal life, and in nachas from your children and good health. At Afrelecha, happy kosher Pesach. I'd like to start with a beautiful story from Rabbi Chase Taub, a little love letter that he writes to his wicked son, which is obviously something that is going to be from the Haggadah. And it's something impressive that we are going to learn from. We're also going to go through the steps of <clears throat> the Haggadah and learn the Hasidic attitude of the steps of the Haggadah, what they really mean, and how we can improve ourselves over this Pesach so that we actually go out of our own Mitzrayim, our own Mitzrayim, our own things that are holding us back. And each one knows what those things are. So I'm going to read this article. It's short. It's a little quote, but it's going to begin the process of the Hasidic Haggadah and take us through the steps of the Seder. So the article here is called A Love Letter to My Wicked Son. The Haggadah is a love story, not just any love story, but the story of Hashem finding his people. It's our love story. And if you read the Haggadah like that, it takes on a new meaning. What's a good romance without food, especially a Jewish one? At some point, we have to go out for a bite. So as we tell a love story, we mention this detail, and there are various reactions. The wicked son says, what is the service to you? What is the service that he doesn't feel like he's a part of? The eating of the Pesach lamb, the matzos, the bitter herbs, and the four cups. He's mocking this part of the story, the part where we go out for a meal. It seems so mundane to him that we would mention this detail. In relationships, it's like the husband who enjoys the poetry and the big picture, but can't be bothered with the mundane details. So we blunt his teeth. We tell him, what were teeth made for other than to go out for a bite with our beloved? Relationships thrive on bite-sized acts, small gestures, and basic tasks. And then, of course, we explain. The only reason you mock this is because you think it's not your love story, too. You think it only happened to us and not to you. So you're bored hearing which restaurant we went to on our date. In Egypt, those who didn't identify with the love story stayed behind. But in the coming redemption through Mashiach, everyone will eventually get it. Consider the numerical value of the Hebrew word for teeth, shinab, which is 366. As my grandfather, Rabbi Yosef Goldstein, would say, knock out the shin of the Russia and you're left with the ron. You can work on the bad and shine it up and polish it until he's able to appreciate the Seder. The Hebrew word for wicked is Russia, and that is 570. When you subtract the teeth from the wicked, that is 366 subtracted from 570, you get to 204, which is the numerical value of the Hebrew word sadik, righteous. In the future redemption, our true innocence and righteousness will be apparent. We will all know that this story is about us, not just the miracles and the wonders of the story, but even the little details like the foods that we eat. Indeed, as we read shortly after finishing the section about the four sons, the time for telling our story is when the matzah and maro foods are sitting in front of us. So this year, read the Haggadah as your story, a personal love letter from the creator of heaven and earth who personally comes to get you out of Pharaoh's grip. You may find a lot of love in the small details. And with that, we're going to look at some deep details 
from the Seder. And I would like to thank Rabbi Chaim Baruch Alevsky for his book, which I'm using currently to give some extra details. So it's very interesting. When we look at the words chametz and matzah, they have very similar letters. Both words have a mem and a tzadik. The only difference is the ches and the hey. Even these two letters are very similar. Only a very small line sets apart the ches from the hey. We can see that the ches of the chametz has no opening at the top of the letter, while the hey of the matzah does. What does this tell us? That when one that acts in a way of chametz, which is chametz is blown up, it's ego, he can get stuck and have a hard time getting out. The only way is down. While the matzah person has an easy escape and get closer to Hashem easily, the tiny difference in the letters also shows us that matzah can turn into chametz very easily. So the hay has a little opening on the top where the ches has an opening on the bottom. So if a person acts in an egotistical way, opposite of bittel, in a way of chametz, he can get stuck and have a hard time getting out. The only way is down. Where the matzah person is humble, flat, humility, and has an easy escape and get closer to Hashem easier. Another beautiful lesson, in order for the dough of matzah to become chametz, you don't have to do anything, just let it rest. It will automatically turn into chametz. This shows us that we must always work with ourselves to be better than we already are. If we just rest and relax in our personal spiritual growth, we might already be turning into chametz. We search for chametz on the night after the 13th of Nisan. This represents the 13th year of the bar mitzvah. It's at this time that a boy must search for and totally remove any possible leftover chametz that he might still have while becoming a man responsible for the Torah. So again, the idea, if you just rest, if you're not going up, you're going down. So we're going to look at something fascinating. If we look actually at the idea of tying the sheep to the bed, as we mentioned last week, why was the sheep, the lamb, one-year-old lamb attached to a bed? Why wasn't it attached to a chair or a table leg where everybody could feed it, pet it, play with it? Why the bed? And the idea was that the bed is the marital bed, the husband and wife's marriage, which represents oneness. And by sacrificing this lamb, we are ultimately getting rid of the avodah of the Egyptians and reproving the oneness of Hashem. And marriage is the really only place that we could be one like Hashem. So that's why the Paschal lamb was tied to the bed, symbolizing the holiness and the sanctity of the Jewish marriage, which is where a husband and wife become one, which is like the one of Hashem Echad, which was ultimately proven by the fact that we took the God of the Egyptians, which is a lamb, and sacrificed it to our Hashem. So, Let's have a look at some of the ideas from the Seder and look at some deeper meanings. First of all, if we look at the plate, the Seder plate, we know we have the six items and each one is representative of something special. And on top of the three matzos, which we prepare, we have um, the six items on the Seder plate. Why a roasted piece of chicken neck? Why? Or a shank bone? This represents the carbon Pesach. It's called the Zroa from the words Biyad Chazaka of Atuya, which refers to Hashem's outstretched arm with which he took us out of Egypt and will take us out of this exile. We specifically 
use this round bone because it looks more like a piece of chicken than an offering of the carbon Pesach because it was only allowed to be offered in Jerusalem. Now we are only remembering it. Some people don't even touch it during the Seder to make sure that no one gets the wrong idea. Next, we have a hard boiled egg. This represents the carbon Chagiga, the festival sacrifice that was offered every Yantif. Why is an egg used here? Because an egg is round as a sign of mourning over the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. But there is another egg message. It is round without any opening. This is as if we're asking Hashem that whoever wants to say even one bad thing about the Jews should not be able to, just like the egg that has no opening and cannot speak. The roundness of the egg has something very deep. It also tells us that the wheel of destiny turns. And even though we are now in Gullus, we will be redeemed. And even if some of us are going through a challenging time at this moment, the mazel will turn for the better. It's going to turn upwards from Gullus to Geula. Of course, we have the bitter herbs, the marar, the hard and bitter work that the Jews were forced to do for the Egyptians. And of course, the haroses, which is a mixture of grated apples, nuts, and red wine. In some communities, they add dates or pears or cinnamon, which represent the cement that the Jewish people were forced to make. But there's something very special in the story. Why apples? The apples, because the Jewish women in Mitzrayim would give birth in the fields under the thick shade of the apple tree. They feared that if the Egyptians would see their babies, they wouldn't have a chance to live. So they gave birth in the apple trees. And we know that the men were exhausted and super, super down from the whole situation. And the women would come with their mirrors and flirt a little bit with their husbands so that they'll re remember that they still are their husband and wives and they still have to be married and act with holiness and intimacy. And that's how those children were born. And those are the children who eventually went out of Egypt. And we know in the merit of righteous women, our forefathers were taken out of Egypt. And in their merit, they will be going out again in the future. That's right now in the merit of the Jewish women. The red wine that we drink symbolizes the blood of circumcision and the carbon Pesach. It's interesting that later on in the Seder, we will have the cup of Eliyahu Hanavi, which also to have him come in and we go and ask for a special brachas. Eliyahu Hanavi comes to every single bris as well to be able to see that the Jewish people are totally connected to Hashem in our bond. And no matter what, we are connected to Hashem. And that is something that he has to see uh, because he felt otherwise during his lifetime at certain periods. The nuts in Hebrew are called shkedim, which can also be translated to shkida, speed. This is to remember how Hashem took us swiftly out of Israel. Okay. And a karpas, which most commonly is an onion in the Chabad circles, but can also be a boiled potato or parsley or celery or radish. It will be dipped into salt water to remember the tears that were shed in Mitzrayim. If you reverse the Hebrew letters of the word karpas, you get samach parach. The gematria of samach is 60. The number 60 is short and refers to the 600,000 Jews who were slaves and did parach back-breaking work in Mitzrayim. Then we have the chazeres, the romaine lettuce, which is considered a kind of marar. It's used for the sandwich of korach, the 10th part of the seder, when we sandwich the matzah and marar. Why romaine lettuce? 
in America, we use Roman lettuce, in Australia, cause lettuce, and in France, I think it was endive lettuce. And the answer is that at first, this Roman lettuce grows and becomes ripe, it's sweet. Then as time goes on, it becomes more and more bitter. The same idea happened with our forefathers in Egypt. In the beginning, Pharaoh paid them to do the work. Later, he stopped paying and then forced them to continue as slaves. And then we talk about the four cups of wine. Why do we drink the four cups of wine? So let's talk about women here, representing the four mothers, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Leah, and the three matos represent the three fathers, Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. We also drink them at different parts of the Seder, once at the Kiddush, then when we honor the Haggadah, then for the benching, the grace after meals, and then the halal, the praise that we say to Hashem when we ask him for Mashiach. Now, according to the Barbanel, there are four central redemptions. They are, number one, Hashem chose us, beginning with Abraham, Abraham, to be his nation. Number two, the redemption from Mitzrayim, Egypt. Number three, the fact that the Jewish people still exist in this bitter exile. We are still here no matter what, no matter the anti-Semitism, no matter all the empires that came and fell and came and fell. We are still here, even though. What do we have to show? Our broken wall, our Kotel Hamaravi. What is the Babylonian gardens or the Greek mausoleums or the Egyptian pyramids? They're beautiful buildings, but what do they have to show for their civilization? Nothing. The fact that we still exist in this Gullus is a miracle. And the fourth Geula was, will be with Mashiach, the future redemption. We also know that the four cups represent the four expressions of redemption, Vahotsesi, and I will bring you out, Vihitsalti, and I will save you, Vigaalti, and I will redeem you, Vilakahti, and I will take you. And most important, we have to know that when we do a mitzvah, we make a bracha. So it's very interesting. Why don't we make a bracha? I'm drinking the four cups. One reason is we don't drink them all together. So we're not completing the mitzvah at the time of the bracha. Because when you make a bracha, you should finish it at the same time. But also when people drink wine, it usually has an effect. It is imaginable that someone might drink one cup of wine, then another, then another. And then if the wine is strong enough, he might be too drunk to even remember that there's a fourth. So if one would make a bracha on the four cups and not finish all four, it might be a bracha lebatala. Therefore, we just make each cup a separate bracha. And we spoke about the color of red, of the red wine for the blood of the carbon Pesach, the Pesach sacrifice, and the blood of circumcision. In the schus of these two mitzvahs, the Jewish people were freed from Mitzrayim, Rismila and carbon Pesach. At the time of the Geula, when B'nai Yisrael were supposed to leave Mitzrayim, they did not have enough merits to be redeemed. So in his kindness, Hashem gave them two more mitzvahs to fulfill, the carbon Pesach and the Bris. This made them worthy of the Geula. Also, the red wine symbolizes the blood that B'nai Israel sprinkled on their doorposts in Egypt so Hashem should pass over their houses. And sadly and unfortunately, it's representing the Jewish children's blood in which the wicked King Pharaoh would bathe. So let's have a look at some of the steps in the Seder. There are 15 steps. Kadesh, Orchatz, Karpas, Yachatz, Magid, Rachza, Maitzi, Matzah, Marar, Kairach, Shulchanairach, we're going to go through a deeper meaning. When we make Kiddush on wine, it is just like on Shabbos and Yantif to make the day holy. But some have a custom that every person should have their wine poured into their cup by someone else and not themselves, which is a sign of royalty. 
because kings have their drinks poured for them. Now, Kadesh, when we make the Kiddush, it translates to number one, separate, rise above, or two, sanctify, make holy. The beginning of all journeys is actually walking out the door. You first have to leave somewhere to go somewhere else. It's also the first step towards freedom. We ignore the voice of our internal power, our Yetzahara, our evil inclination, our animal soul inside that mocks us and tries to keep us in the same spiritual place by saying, who are you to even begin such a transformative journey? Step one is leave. Just get up and rise above your current condition. Take a step, a baby step, just move. This is the first meaning of the word Kadesh, to rise above, to leave our current condition. Then when we are ready for the second meaning, which is once we've set ourselves free, we've got the power to transform and sanctify a similar situation to make it a holy one. And when we take real steps to being better, to be less selfish, more selfless, we have begun our journey to personal freedom. Then we wash our hands. It's known as orchats. What are our hands used for? They're used to hug, to work, to play. Our hands obey our feelings. Just like we love our mother, we reach out and hug her. Or if someone's upset with someone, they may lash out at them. It's our mind's job to control our emotions and tell us when to back off, cool down, or go ahead and hug it out. But sometimes the mind sees one way while the heart feels another way. And we end up doing what the heart wants instead of what the mind knows. In a concept known in Hasidus as Ma'ach Shalat Alalev, our mind should rule the heart. So water represents the healing power of wisdom, our mind's power to control our feelings. Water flows downward, carrying its life-giving power to each thing, helping it grow. We pour water over our hands to symbolize our own mind's wisdom pouring downward and passing through our heart, thoughts, and feelings, and then onto our body, our actions. When we direct our feelings to feel only good about others and to dismiss any negative thinking, we are on our way to letting our neshama shine. Then we have karpas, remembering the bitterness. Sometimes we need to taste the back-breaking, soul-crushing labor of Egypt to free ourselves from it once again. Our years in slavery prepared us for the freedom by making us humble and able to accept Hashem's wisdom. Being humble means realizing that I am not the most important thing in this world and I don't need to go my way all the time. It means recognizing that I was created by Hashem just like everyone else and all other creatures and insects, plants and minerals. Hashem put me in here for this world for a reason and I'd better go do it. How do we become humble today without slavery? And suffering. In fact, some people are overindulged and enabled to have whatever they need. And there's a lot of shefa. Look up at the stars above. Gaze at the marvelous world around you. When we realize how small we are relative to this great world Hashem created, and the creation of this world is such an insignificant, tiny part of what Hashem can do, we can become truly humble. Next, we have after Karpas Yachatz, the broken matzah, which is true humility. Yachatz is another step on the humility road. Matzah is called poor man's bread. He is low and broken, and it is this brokenness that allows him to open his soul and escape his Egypt. As long as we feel whole and complete, there is no room left for us to grow. The broken matzah, on the other hand, lets us realize how small we are in this big world and that we need Hashem's help and the help of others around us, that we are not perfect. 
When we come to this conclusion, miracles begin in our life. We realize, let go, let God. We are in Hashem's hands. We have no say. We are just pawns in Hashem's hands. Humility brings us to the place when we can actually start to feel Hashem in our lives because we made room for him. So let's move over and invite Hashem to help us. And then we will really go places. The word Haggadah, which means telling, is going to be repeated in the Magid step. Magid means the story, to say the story. Haggadah is from the word Magid, like to tell the story. It goes from Helach Ma'anya until Ga'al Yisrael. This is the commandment to parents, to tell, to talk about, and remember the story of our exodus from Egypt. The Torah tells us we must remember Yetzirah Mitzrayim every day of the year. On Pesach, we have to talk about it and tell it to others. So let's have a look and see what we do. The Haggadah, says the Rosh, is an answer to the questions of the child, and it's not a mitzvah on its own, so it cannot have a bracha. So it's very, very interesting that according to the Torah law, du'uraita, the mara must be eaten together with the karban. So today, without the karban, the mitzvah of mara is midrabanan, rabbinical, and therefore the only mitzvah that we have from the Torah itself is the matzah. That's why we say the Haggadah over the matzah. Matzah is called lechem oni, bread of affliction and poverty, or the poor man's bread. Some say that while we were slaves in Egypt, we also ate matzah or something similar. This is the kind of food poor people eat. A broken piece, hard to digest and very filling. Another explanation to the name Lechem Oni is Lechem Sha'inen Alav Dvaram Harbe, bread over which many things are said. This is also hinted in the common gematria of Oni and Koil, voice, both of which are 136. Okay, so let's have a look. When we talk about whoever is hungry, let him come and eat. It means that we're inviting all the hungry to join us for the Seder. However, does it make sense to invite people now? Shouldn't that have been done before we sat down, made a few phone calls before the week of the Seder? Maybe in Shul, before Yantav began, but why at the table? Will anybody even hear us and come? Obviously, the true time to invite poor people or anyone to our Seder is earlier than this. But by inviting others to our Seder now, we are really asking Hashem to bring Mashiach. Okay. So, on the time of the uh, temple in Beis Hamikdash, we were not allowed to invite anyone to our home on the Seder night. Only the family and the ones who previously joined the carbon group were allowed to participate. And at that time, nobody was left without a family. Everyone had their own place to be when they fit right in. Today, however, we are able to invite guests to our Seder because there is no Beis Hamikdash and we cannot offer their kabbanas. So when we say call Dechvin and invite people, what we're really doing is saying, Hashem, look. We could invite people over to our Seder. This is not what you told us to do. You said that when we offer the carbon, it should be a private occasion or a group of fear. But now we cannot do what you want. This way, we're really asking Hashem to bring Mashiach and rebuild the base of Mikdash immediately. Okay, I also want to talk about the concept of the four sons. The Chacham, the Rasha, the She'enei, or the Elishal, and we have the Tam. The righteous person, the wicked person, the one who doesn't know how to ask, and the simple son. Why do we put the Russia, which we referenced at the beginning of this podcast, together with the Chacham? 
so that the Chacham can have a good discussion with him. The Russia is not simple or silly. He knows, but he needs to be educated better. And that's why we put him near a wise man. Also, the Rebbe says there is a fifth son, the one who sadly doesn't even know that it is Pesach tonight. And we fill up an extra chair. We invite as many people as possible because in this generation, sadly, there is a fifth son. Okay, so we need to find that fifth son. When I was growing up, they used to ask us to leave a chair out for the Jews of Russia who were stuck behind the Iron Curtain. And the Rebbe said, fill it up. And then the Iranian Curtain, and the Rebbe said, fill it up. Today, we don't have to go far. There are unfortunately many Jewish people who were uneducated, did not have a Jewish education, and that is what we need to fill our chairs with. Okay, so um, we already spoke about the wicked son and the Chacham now we'll just mention. The question of the Chacham shows wisdom and interest in Hashem and his commandments to us. He shows that he knows the difference between the three types of mitzvahs, the Chukim, the Edus, and the Mishpatim, and he asks about him. And we tell the wise son that he should not eat, quote unquote, anything after the Komen, Afikomen. This means that he should keep the taste of Pesach, the message of Pesach with him for the rest of the year. Even though the Chacham asks about the laws that Hashem commanded you, he's not excluding himself from the laws like the Rasha. Some of the reasons why he says you is because he's under Bar Mitzvah. Or he's asking this question of his parents who were in Egypt and experienced the Egypt leaving, leaving Egypt, but he did not. Eschem can be Osiv Eschem, me and you. Now, I do want to mention that these four sons, it's really like pedagogy. Like, how do we teach children? How do we educate children? We have to make it so interesting that the one who doesn't know how to ask is inspired to ask. And the simple one is inspired. What we put at the Seder, what we sing at the Seder, what we say at the Seder, all this has an idea that we could inspire someone whose mouth is shut to actually pipe up and ask questions and include everyone at our Seder. Okay. Um, we also talk about the fact that if someone is not yet mature enough to ask real questions, we show them the Pesach Matzah and Marah, we teach them about the mitzvos. These are tangible, touchable things that they can relate to. So it's important to put out touchable things. Some people put out like little masks with the 10 plagues or little um, cute drinking cups, anything that will get the child curious. And of course, the wise son who knows the Torah and the mitzvot and what's important, he feels badly for the wicked son that he's wasting his life in nonsense and he wants to teach him the way of Hashem. All right, so... When we talk about the gematria, the word vihishayamda, vav is the six sections of the Mishnah, he are the five books of the Torah, yud are the ten commandments that Hashem gave us on Mount Sinai, and aleph is the one Hashem. So um, it's very important that we make sure to keep our children totally involved. And Magid isn't just for retelling an event that happened to us thousands of years ago. When we left Egypt, we became a holy nation. This is the story of each one of us happening over and over again. This is our constant personal fight with our evil inclination, our struggle to free ourselves from his clutches, to enable us to be who we are meant to be. From Yehuda HaMakabi to Shimshon HaGibor, Jews have always been trying to get freedom from something. It's in our blood to escape from where we are to move even higher. And that is what leaving our personal Egypt is, like breathing to our neshama. When we talk about the Exodus, we're reminding ourselves why we came into the world and what our job is here. 
to bring through our own chain, to break through our own chains, to grow spiritually and share the beauty of Hashem's Torah with the world. So we are now going to talk about one last thing and then we will uh, move on. It's very interesting um, because we have so many different points of the Seder. But our trust in Hashem is so, so important. And we know that Hashem will accept the Seder and will be completed, which is at the end when we say, Some people think we're meant to make a perfect world. But if that is what our Hashem wanted, why did he make such an imperfect world? Rather, he wants our humanness. Sometimes we do good. Sometimes we fall. But we keep on trying. And eventually we make some real changes in our lives and in the world around us. And then... Once we have done all we can, right, we ask Hashem to touch it up and make it shine. For over 3,300 years, we have been leaving Egypt. For over 3,300 years, we have been doing our human job of transforming the light, darkness into light. And now it is Hashem's turn to lift us up, to banish the darkness forever, to make our work shine and to leave the lights on so we can find our way back home. And when that day will come, we'll have completed the longest road trip ever because we'll have finally reached the final destination, which is home in Jerusalem with Mashiach. May it happen now. I do want to say that Hashem does it also. Hashem told us to open the door on the night of Pesach. So too, he opens the door and every gateway to heaven, to every member of the Jewish people, to each of us, each one of us, regardless of where we have been in the past, Tonight, Pesach is the chance to reach the highest spiritual levels. There is nothing stopping you. Pesach, go leap for it. This is the bungee jump part of our trip that we are just jumping up towards Hashem. And we make sure that when we open the door for Eliyahu and Avi, who comes to visit our home and participates in a Seder, and we honor him with a cup of wine, we ask him for the brachas that we need and to bring Mashiach. So those are a few points from the four sons to uh, the deeper purpose of some of the steps that we have of the Seder, to the Seder plate, to the four cups, and also to mention that this year, 2023, we must make an Erev Tavshilin, and that in the Hadlakos Neros that we light Erev, Erev Yontif, we say Lahadlik Nesha Yontif and Shechianu on both first night and second night of Pesach. We don't repeat the Shechianu the seventh and eighth day of Pesach because it's all one Yontif, as the Rebbetzin explained at her Yontif table when she was a young girl, it's all one Yontif, all connected with Mashiach. So let us end with this note. Let us hope that this Pesach, we truly go out of our own personal Egypt, each one of us, and we bring Mashiach, and Hashem will bring us back to Eretz Yisrael, where we can eat from the Zvachim and from the Pesachim and have our carbon Pesach truly in Yerushalayim, Bakar of Mamish. Thank you so much, and thank you to our sponsors and to Rabbi Shays Taub and Rabbi Chaim Barachalevsky for your work. And may we always be elevated to see the true beauty of what Hashem wanted us to accomplish on Pesach.